I'm excited to announce that we are now on Patreon. So check us out at patreon.com forward slash the stream of David. We are a more sophisticated being after we've been quote unquote damaged in some way because we've moved through the experience of the damage. Now the matrix tells us, oh, it's traumatic. It's terrible. It's awful. That should never happen to anyone. It shouldn't have happened to you. It's so wrong. You're screwed up forever now because of it. You know, all these labels that we give in the matrix, but that's just a belief system. Welcome to the Stream of David podcast. I am here with a frequent guest and Taya Bootcamp graduate, David Rude. Hello. Nice to How see you? you again. Good to be here. Yeah, I, I have to tell you, we uh, we haven't... Uh, when's the last time you were on with me? It's been a little while before the holidays, right? Last summer, maybe? Last... I can't oh, remember. Oh, that long. Okay. It's been, it's been longer than just a little okay. while. In a podcast, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was maybe August... Maybe. Yeah, I think you've done Sunday Soul Food with me a couple yeah. of times for the yeah. Patreon folks. But um, as far as the podcast goes, it has been a while and we were sort of catching up. And I thought, well, you know, this is all good stuff in our catching up. Why don't we just make this the podcast? Yeah, <laughs> because David always has amazing questions for the stream uh, coming from uh, a more kind of a scientific perspective. You're very curious. You, yeah. you want to try to make sense of all of this stuff that they're offering us. And and therefore you you ask great questions, and this is the first time you've been on uh, post trans channeling. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, you've never listened to us before. You're kind of just catching up. I have moved on from the going into the formal trance like state of calming my ego and allowing source to flow in a in a trance like state where you're receiving the stream through me speaking in, in third person, there was a lot of we and then referring back to me as David. And I still have the capability of doing that. But I was, as I was saying before we started, before we hit record here, that I don't feel the need to do that anymore. Uh, I've done a lot of work on detuning my ego. It's not gone. <laughs> still have one. Uh, as long as we're alive, we have an ego. I still have an ego. I've done a lot of work on detuning my ego and I feel much more presence of the stream all the time. And I can speak now as me and still have that download from the stream and, and quote them in third person or just share what I'm getting. And I think it creates a smoother experience. Uh, and that's, that's why I'm doing things this way now. So don't hold back on the questions, David. Um, you know, ask your deep, uh, really deep, you know, really out there questions. I love that. And we'll see, we'll see how we do. Yeah. One thing I want to share with you though, before we get into the podcast, you are, uh, an orchestra musician. Is that how you would describe yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Or symphony. Yeah. Symphony. And you, you play what instrument? Trombone. Um, trombone. That, that on the trump, that's a trumpet on the wall. It's actually a bass trumpet. That's like a specialty trumpet that was used for Wagnerian operas that it I don't think it's not in, it's not in frame right now all I see is oh. a lamp I don't know much about music but I'm pretty sure that's a lamp it's, it's right a lamp. okay okay yeah there's a there's a little uh there there it is okay yeah yeah so that's a it's a uh but yeah I play the trombone that's my 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 primary instrument and um I play in symphony orchestras. Uh, it's fun. <laughs> Trombone is loud. I get to play really loud in the back of the orchestra, and uh, um, yeah, it's it's a great great way to spend one's uh, one's livelihood. You know. Yeah, and you you've been really successful with that. So congratulations on that. 
But I have to tell you, I, I thought about you recently for my birthday. We went and saw the Eagles live. Okay. Uh, there's a there's a new uh, arena 10 minutes from our house. Uh, and it was so nice. We literally drove up, no traffic, parked, walked right in. We went early, but still parked, walked right in, sat down. And there they were. Uh, yes. And, and you know, these people that I've been listening to my entire life, yeah. uh, you know, in front of me and in in, well into their 70s, just just amazing music, uh, amazing vocals. It was incredible. Of course, Glenn Fry is no longer around, but the, the, the rest of I think the rest of the original band members were there, plus uh, Vince Gill. And plus uh, Glenn Fry's son, Deacon, uh, were doing vocals also. So it was amazing. But the part where I thought about you was a couple of songs in. It was the Hotel California tour. So the whole first part of the show was the entire album, Hotel California. And what better place than in the desert in California to, to hear that, right? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, the, the, the lights went up at one point and you realize this orchestra started up. And we didn't even know they were there. Right. They were just singing. And then one of the songs is suddenly this full orchestra was behind them and they turned the lights on. You didn't even know they were there. That was a really cool experience. Yeah. And I thought, well, this is the first time I've heard a live orchestra probably in a while. <laughs> so yeah. it did make me think about you. Yeah. Um, it was a great show. I don't know if you're in Eagles or not. Probably a little beyond your time. It's, uh, I'm aware of them, but I'm not the listen to the, you, you would have been on the younger end of the spectrum for the audience for sure. <laughs> yeah. I was about, yeah. I was about mid range, uh, age, age <laughs> for the audience. Uh, but I, I, I love them. And hotel California is one of my favorite songs ever. I just love the, I always, anything that was kind of weird and mysterious. I always was into that. The music is really good and the lyrics are interesting. And yeah. to this day, I, I love that song. So, um, yeah. that's, but all of their music is just fantastic. So getting back to, uh, the stream, the stream is still with us. The stream is still flowing. The stream is, is teaching, but really the, the stream is source and source is appreciation of all that is what we might identify as pure love, pure abundance. That's what source is. And the stream is my personal sharing of my source energy. We all have source energy. And it's something that I taught myself to do in that trance state was about quieting David's very active ego enough because my intention was I wanted to share pure source, as pure as I could get, without fear, without judgment, without human constructs, you know, woven into it. I wanted to quiet my ego down and really tap into that, that source version of me. And the reason that I was so aware of that is because I have tapped into that my whole life. That was the thing that got me through childhood, a very difficult childhood, and got me through my adult life. And, and I was always able to access it for clarity. And as I've gotten older, that clarity has come on stronger and stronger and stronger. A, a lot of times that's referred to as, as wisdom. Um, and I have access to that still. Sometimes I disconnect from it. Sometimes I go into ego. But in a situation like this, it's right there. And for the past couple of years, I've been hearing that when I'm teaching, like in the master classes where I don't channel and just teach the people that know me really well, people on my team that talk to me all the time, they know when the stream kicks in, they'd always say, like, mm -hmm. well, you, you, were, you started channeling from nowhere. And that's been happening for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And I realize now that the reason I was continuing to hang on to the trance channeling I always want to know what, what's the root of everything. Is this rooted in ego or is this rooted in source? And 
I kept going back to the trans channeling because my belief was, and, and probably still is, that people really love talking to the stream. They love that stream experience. And I was uh, showing Michael a while back some Abraham Hicks, just so he was aware if I referenced Abraham uh, regarding something or somebody in our world. A lot of people in our world are Abraham fans and they'll mention Abraham and he's like, who's Abraham? And so I was showing him some Abraham and he is a, a psychologist uh, and he has done hypnosis and med guided meditations and all of these things. So he's aware of all of that stuff. And he was saying that little preamble that Esther always does to bring in Abraham is an induction. It's like a, a almost like a form of hypnosis that she's, and, and there's nothing wrong with any of this. She's not tricking anybody or anything like that. So don't think that I'm saying that, mm -hmm. but she's sort of guiding the audience into this almost like hypnotic state and then allowing, you know, her version of source to flow as Abraham. And I, my intention has never been to copy Abraham. I've been very, very clear about that. And the reason I was hanging on to the trans channeling when I got down to the root of it was there was a fear present that if I didn't do it the way that Abraham does it, that people weren't going to listen and receive the information that I was getting. And I'm very, very, very confident and very clear in the information because I've seen it transform my life, continue to transform my life. I've seen it guide me through storms, certainly, and I've seen it do that for others. So I know the value in the teachings and I know the value in the practice and I want to deliver that for the rest of my life. And the reason I was hanging on to the trance channeling, the formality of that was in fear, rooted in fear that if I didn't do that, then the, the audience wouldn't, uh, you know, stick around or the audience, there was, there was always, there was some fear there. I can still do it. I just don't feel compelled to do it any longer because I have access to that information. They, they are flowing through me. If I'm at the top of my spiral and I know when I am, I, I'm up there in joy and I, I know I feel that energy move through me. I know when they're present. You can watch me and see when I get fidgety and I start scratching and moving around that that's starting to, to really flow at a higher level. And my physical vehicle is, is reacting to that. So if you ever watch me do uh, a, a training or a live video and I start to get a little fidgety and, and scratchy and, and stuff, I know it's kind of odd, but that's sort of my, my body uh, adjusting to all of that, you know, energy flowing in a bigger way. I think it's always present. I think our ego serves to sort of push that down and step forward as the, you know, to give us the human experience, but that's really why. So in this interaction and in, in this podcast with you, ask anything that you want and then let's have a conversation and let's get information from them and demonstrate how this can work without me going, you know, into the guided, the, the meditation and the, the induction and all of that stuff. Yeah. Cool. I know you have a couple of questions. I got a couple of topics that I sort of like to hit up. One is just like, um, like, you know, sustaining our practice over time because, you know, they say that, you know, today, how was the saying today's, uh, low as yesterday's high or something like that. You kind of are expanding, but you don't always realize that you're expanding. You're always growing, but you don't always see the growth. So you look back over time. But I think also in that process, sometimes you kind of like, I want to say forget to do the practice. You still wonder if you're doing it in the same way. Like I've noticed that I'm, I'm doing a little bit less of my own deliberate guided meditations 
and I maybe you, kinda, you fall off the wagon a little bit yeah. and you allow something. And I, that is part of the practice. So right. when you spin out and if you're getting lazy or just inconsistent with it, which I do, uh, that's part of it. And that's yeah. the beauty of it because that, that is part of it because the, the spin outs have value. So when you wind down your practice and you don't even realize you're winding it down and then all of a sudden the obstacles start to populate again. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, thing life shifts. One of the reasons when those of you that choose to go through the boot camp experience, uh, one of the things that I require for your graduation is I require that you have seen it show up in your life so that you have evidence that doing the practice works for you. You do not graduate Taya boot camp, as you know, until you've seen it show up, you know, for you, I'll let you share what all happened for you, but you know, all of these things started happening for you. And so you know that it works. So now it's up to you to keep the practice up. And yes, we offer, you know, community and tools and, and, and other levels of uh, academy that you can, you know, get into and all of that. But ultimately, if you're going to take boot camp, I want to graduate you knowing that you can choose your path from there. And there are people that have gone through Taya boot camp that I that that disconnect. I don't hear from them from them for sometimes years, and then we'll, they'll circle back. It's like they, they once you go through, you you're 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 a Taya person for life, no matter what, because it's such a profound experience, and you learn things in there that you're going to use for the rest of your life, no matter what. You may just have to create something so painful for you that you were ultimately driving yourself back to it through your contrast, through your obstacle. But that's the practice. The spinning out, the falling off the wagon is part of it. And I, that's, that's one of the things I love most about it is you're, you're, if you go through boot camp, you're really a tire practitioner for life. Um, you know, I always say everything's optional, everything's your choice, but it's sort of like you've opened a Pandora's box of information and there's just no way you're putting the genie back in the bottle. There's just, you just can't, yeah. it's impossible because now you understand how creation occurs. You understand how your, your thoughts create, and then it's up to you to, to choose your paths and, and your, your modes of expansion. So if you stop doing the practice and you allow your life to spin out, I allowed my life to spin out recently and I'm sharing all of it with you in real time. I always have, I put on a lot of weight during COVID. Uh, Michael and I, I think we, we gained like 40 pounds, you know, and I was Mr. A, I've, I've kept weight off for a decade. You know, I was, you know, kind of boasting about that all over the place throughout my forties into my early fifties. And then COVID hit and we, our lives changed. And then his parents became a big part of our daily lives. Our lives changed again and food became recreation for us. And, and unfortunately exercise for a while wasn't. So we, we had this, you know, we both put on a lot of weight. And it's very visible. You can, I can go back now and see when I was 20 pounds heavier than I am now. Like, wow, you know, that was, I was really, really heavy then. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's a lot more that I would like to do physically to improve my physical vehicle now still. So, but that was a spin out while I was practicing, while I was teaching. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that I wasn't being true to Taya. It's not a black and white thing. It, it's a, it's, it's vibrational like everything else. So I had a spin out in health and in weight. Uh, I, I had a spin out in my home life, you know, transitioning to this scenario where suddenly we had elderly people living with us that we were responsible for on a daily basis. That was very different for me. 
Uh, and, and that created its a whole thing. And of course that all culminated with the house burning and, and, uh, you know, Michael's mother crossing over and that, that concluded, um, but that shifted us into a different reality and, and we are in a different vibe now than we were before the fire that I'm liking both of us, that I'm liking very, very much. So the spin outs and the falling off the wagon of the practice are part of the practice. What happens is, is that if you need to really let it go, like I did with the weight, literally let it go on for a while, that's the experience you're having. And we learn not to judge that. And it's part of your practice to have a spin out on a topic because the idea that you're operating in the matrix ideal, that's just the matrix. The matrix is the thing that creates the rules. Source isn't creating rules. So along that line, if you kind of looking back and you realize like, gee, my practice isn't quite where it was back in the boot camp time, or how, how what do you actually do to get back on the track? Do you go back to the modules again? You start meditating a ton. You what exactly? What what do you what do you what does that look like to actually get back on the wagon? Any or all of those things, really, it's getting back into a higher vibrational mindset. The Taya tools are designed to do nothing but raise your vibration systematically. I hear systemically so much now. Those two are kind of interchangeable. Uh, Systematically raising your vibration. That's what we do in Taya, right? We're always becoming more sophisticated versions of ourselves. That's why negative exists. What we consider negative, unwanted things exist for the sole purpose of giving us a platform from which to create. And when we create from that platform, whatever that creation is, even if that creation is just surviving the experience, that's new creation. We are a more sophisticated being after we've been, quote unquote, damaged in some way because we've moved through the experience of the damage. Now, the matrix tells us, oh, it's traumatic, it's terrible, it's awful, that should never happen to anyone, it shouldn't have happened to you, it's so wrong, you're screwed up forever now because of it, you know, all these labels that we give in the matrix, but that's just a belief system. Mm -hmm. Trauma is a belief system, and people love to argue for it, and and our society loves to promote victimhood, Mm -hmm. but there's an experience in being a victim but the moving through and out of that experience is where you rediscover the joy. So when you are in your Taya practice and you spin out and you want to get back into it, it's, it's a matter. It, I, I call it work. It is a matter of work. It's a matter of discipline, just like learning your instrument. You yeah. practice, right? Yeah. You practice and you play and you challenge yourself. <laughs> you get with bigger and better orchestras and, and I would imagine more accomplished conductors and, yeah. and you're playing more, com- I don't know anything about music, obviously, more complex music, right? Yeah. And Definitely. you're doing that and you're getting better because you, you are taking the chance and you're putting yourself out there, but you're yeah. also screwing up in the process. Oh God, I hit the, oh God, the yeah. guy yelled at me today. I feel like crap <laughs> because, you know, I got... Called yeah. on the carpet in front of everyone. And it was so embarrassing. <laughs> well, you have two choices. You throw in the towel and you quit doing it. You put the instrument away and you go do yeah. whatever you do next, you know, in, in life. Or you take that as those notes as constructive, even if they weren't yeah. delivered that way. Right. And you, because I imagine there's a lot of ego in music. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go and I'm going to, you know, tell this piece of shit. You know, oh my God. See, I half the job is figure out how to manage all of that. Other people's egos, really. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it is. Job. You know, life is that. I mean, anything that's an art form like yeah. music, I'm yeah. sure there's plenty of ego 
in that. But it really is. The funny thing is, is that the, the creation of art is this dance, like everything else, between ego and yeah. source. So you've got the music and then you're going to pepper in the ego to drive everyone to live up to the 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 beauty of the create the source driven creation of the music. I, I had this very this I, this a bit ties into the conversation. This is slightly in a different tangent. We did Mahler nine a week ago in one of my orchestras, which is and Mahler was one of the titans of the late Romantic period, like uh, one of the top ten composers of Western culture. I would put him in that category. And the ninth symphony was his final symphony. And there's a lot of tie to unpack of all of this. I know I'm going on a tangent, but he was really superstitious and he believed that humans were only allowed nine symphonies, which is not really true, but Beethoven wrote nine, Schubert wrote nine, and he thought the ninth was like the last one. And so he delayed writing his ninth symphony for a long time until finally somebody convinced him, you have to write this. So he wrote what essentially was kind of a farewell symphony. And the ending is really uh, beautiful. It ends very quietly. And, uh, and, and of course the, the, Again, this, this makes sense from a Thai perspective. He finished that symphony and immediately started his 10th symphony because he didn't want to die. And he died. <laughs> he finished one movement of the 10th and that was it. And so basically his his belief came true. The belief system created his reality <laughs> as, as they did. <laughs> and like Shostakovich wrote like, like 14 or 15, I think. I can't remember the exact number, but there's a lot more. So nine is not really uh, anything. But... We, we play this thing and it's uh, um, it's an hour and a half long. It's really dense, really kind of like uh, psychologically demanding to play all this thing. And uh, and it ends very quietly. And it's one of those endings where you get to the end, you're not even sure if the orchestra is still playing because it's so quiet. And we finish and normally the people start clapping, but no one's clapping. And it's like literally 60 seconds of silence, this full concert hall as everyone is just kind of like kind of grappling in their minds with what actually just happened. And it occurred to me in this moment that like you have a composer that wrote this, this piece a hundred years ago, and this composer is long gone, but the music exists still. And here we have a modern day orchestra performing this for an audience that is experiencing this in, but, but the, 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 what's mind blowing to me is that music is just sound that's gone. There's no, if you paint a picture or something, now there's a painting. But if I play a sound on my instrument, it's gone in, in a matter of just seconds. So it's sort of like putting that all together. It's sort of in a way reminding me what the, the stream talks about. There's no past, really, there's no future. It's all kind of happening at the same time. It's kind of all interwoven. You have this, this past and present and um, uh, transient. Uh, it's, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't last. It doesn't exist beyond this moment. It's, it's, it, nothing is per it's impermanent. That's the word I'm looking for. So it's and very, the way I, I look at that too, is, you know, the, the music was written a hundred years ago and it was channeled yeah. It's all, you know, things that stick around are channeled. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then in the orchestra's appreciation of it, yeah. that source-like connection allows the orchestra to deliver probably in a unique one-of-a-kind and, and like I could probably listen to 15 different orchestras and not really notice, but I'm sure you would notice nuances and things like that. And really like, oh, wow, this orchestra really had that dialed in and they created this beautiful moment. Like you said, is one-of-a-kind, one-time, uh, can't-be-recreated moment. And that was sort of the, the then peak of that co-creative energy of source flowing, you know, because source doesn't operate in time, that 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 source delivered human dream being realized yeah. at any time. 
And it's appreciation is the key. That's why when we're talking about trans-channeling, I always laugh that really the stream has one answer for everything and it's appreciation of all that is, period. But wrapping our human mind around what that really means is a lifetime's work. Right. So for me, it's okay. I can, I, I know now that I can sit in the driveway and watch my, my home burn, not just any home, but a home that I had spent a year picking everything for and, and putting a lot of love into, um, and, and not judge it and not, um, be upset by it. This is the experience that I'm having. This is, this is where we are. And then really getting into, wow, this is really great that I can say, that's what I was saying. This is really great that I can sit here and be this, this calm. And, you know, Michael was really upset at the onset of that event in the evacuation, but then the calm came over him as well as, as the, the minutes and hours passed, you know, we sat in the driveway for hours, you know, while they're putting the fire out and having that experience very differently. And now I still think of, okay, what's the outer limits of what a human can experience, you know, death of a loved one, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, my pet being lost, you know, that's something that's still very ego driven for me that if something happened to Lola, I would, you know, really be really upset, you know, if she were hurt in some way or lost completely or stolen. Uh, we go to LA pretty regularly now for uh, vet appointments for our other dog, Rocco, because he's, he's, he's a specialist there. And there's this whole thing with French bulldogs being stolen at gunpoint in LA. Now we stay in Beverly Hills, so we're in the nicer part of LA, but still, um, you know, that, that's, that's a real thing that these dogs are very valuable. And I guess people, you know, will just steal them. Really? Uh, that could happen anywhere, but I know that it's something I've seen, you know, the, the whole mindset about LA being this highly dangerous place and, and stuff like that. Um, which I don't necessarily think it, it is, but, uh, my mindset is I'm intending safety when I go here. It seems like a good place because my intention is there. I don't witness anything off there. You know, it's just a lot more crowded than the desert. That's about it. So the, the mindset creates the reality always our, our, our human experience is created by our mindset and our beliefs. And when you're talking about the Taya practice, the Taya tools are, Detuning transgressors, uh, doing things in your life that allow more source, whether that's meditation, breath work, appreciation, all of it works. Uh, understanding that you are a source-driven being, understanding that we are primarily source-driven beings, that we have this ego that creates the discernment that we need to have the human experience. And the ego is good, but it's just overdeveloped. And we are, we are allowing our source being to be the main driver of our experience. But we're moving through vibrational flow. So that's never static. It's always up and down. And when we allow ego to sort of come back, usually it's because we're not as diligent with our tools as we were. But again, that is part of the practice because we're, we're not getting in here to, uh, you know, our, our vibration will raise over time in the practice, but I love to use the financial markets as an example because it rises over time, but it rises over time by going up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. It's vibrational. It's, 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 that is watched so closely that we have graphs and charts and all this evidence of it that's easy to find. Everything operates like that. Our lifetime is like that. It, it can go up over time, but it's going up and down and up and down and up and down. Now, of course, we have a matrix that is disrupting that natural ascension because the matrix, this human created uh, mindset that 
life is hard and life isn't fair and life is in, we, we, we should all be equal. Everyone should be having the same experience. Uh, but there's all these problems out there to be solved and, and the world is just a terrible place. Uh, you know, the, the, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. I used to hear that all the time. And I've heard that my whole life. I've heard that end times are near from religious people my whole life. I've heard that, you know, these are the worst of times my whole life. And now I just realized that, no, it's just the time that you're in. There's always going to be positive and negative going on around you. And if you start systematically detuning the judgment of all that, then life really gets good because you're no longer judging anything is wrong. And there's no thing that I can observe in, in third person now that I, that I necessarily judge as wrong. And sometimes I think in the, in the matrix, it makes me seem callous. Uh, you know, when somebody suffers something and I'm just not buying into the suffering of it, I'm just letting them have their experience. I'm not trying to argue with them about their experience because it is what it is, but I, I'm, I am not overly empathetic. I am just like, they're having their experience and that's fine. But a lot of times people think that empathy is going into the pain with them. Right. Oh, that's so terrible. You shouldn't be experiencing that. It's the worst thing ever. Yeah. And I just don't think that this, yeah. this is what you're experiencing. Yeah. Since the boot camp thing, I'm much more just okay at not judging stuff and not like I still see like like okay, like this 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 bank that sort of collapsed basically out in California and this is gonna probably mess up a lot of uh small tech startup tech companies, which could you know definitely cause some disruption. And I'm not like happy for that. I, I feel very sorry for like the Etsy sellers who suddenly aren't getting paid, you know. But at the same time, I also can see that like uh, I don't know. There's this, there's a story of like, you know, like the, there's like some parable, like some guy who, you know, he kind of, uh, someone steals the horse and he says, Oh, well, you know, that must be horrible for you. He says, well, maybe we'll see, you know, and then some other event leads to another. And then he kind of finds out that that was like a blessing for him altogether. And, and, you know, I, something I had in one of my meditations, it was very interesting the other day was like, I, you know, like, you know, the source uh, stream has said that like, when you go back to non-physical, the first thing you want to do is to come back to physical because you crave the contrast. And I actually had that experience of like meditating and then looking at the obstacles I had in front of me and then like kind of missing them <laughs> in a weird way. I don't think well, makes... you raised your vibration enough okay. in that meditation to be in that source perspective of, yeah. oh, okay. I can manage all this because I created all of it and I created all of it for my own expansion. So none of it is bad. If you're interested in making the Taya practice your new way of life, listen to what a few of our Taya bootcamp graduates have to say. There's been marked, marked. I've had some stuff like my dad probably is the one that's the funniest because he's the one probably of all of them that I've, I'm probably the most easily triggered. He doesn't have to do anything <laughs> too, too big. It's like, oh, dad's calling me again. And then going straight back into like the story and all of the things. But now having these real primary trigger relationships, these transgressor energy relationships dissolve to the point where there's like no charge at all. Not even the charge takes longer to settle in. As in, I'm able to now have whole conversations with my dad and literally just be an appreciation for him for being dad. And I've worked on forgiveness stuff and I've worked on, oh, sending loving vibes, but I was doing that against the backdrop of the trigger. Does that make sense? Okay. So it's not that I wasn't doing work on it. I haven't done work on it. The work wasn't working. 
it was working to overcome the triggers that were inevitably showing up and now those triggers aren't there. So the triggers themselves have been dissolved. So that for me is, is marked different, markedly different because one of the things that I've come to learn, not just from the work that I've done with Tyre, but some other work is that a lot of the other relationships that we're going to have in our life, including the relationship to our health, relationship to our money, relationships to other people, um, platonic and otherwise, are all tied in some way to these early relationships that we have, including parental energy. And removing that charge there, I've no doubt is going to continue to, to seep out positively into all of these other relationships in my life that are now no longer going to have these charges around them. They transform their lives with a new operating system, and so can you. Click the link in the show notes and book your free, no obligation Taya Bootcamp discovery session today. Now back to the show. I always wondered, though, and this is maybe a slightly different direction of, of thinking, but you know, like we, we were talking about, like uh, you know, like the the, the stream and, and 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 not doing so much trans channeling anymore. And I kind of wonder if all a lot of my questions, just me being very, very brutally honest, if a lot of my questions are me distracting myself from my own internal work. You know, sometimes you can ask questions and questions and ask the stream again, but really they're going to have the same answer. And really, the only answer is to go in what in oneself inside oneself yeah, that's been their their message from day one is, is ben yeah. go inward go inward not yeah. come and listen to us and we're going to give you the answer to everything all their teachings and all their tools are yeah. you know they give some clarity but ultimately it's raise your vibration yeah detune the things that drag it down right. and and it goes up naturally yeah. and and see what happens for you it's a unique yeah. experience it's not going to be like anyone else's experience it's yeah. unique for you, but it's inward, 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 inward. Yeah. And if being, I, I think it's helpful to be in the community. Right. Because most other people don't understand this. You know, when you start talking about appreciating X, Y, Z, the things the matrix tells us we're not allowed to appreciate, you right. disconnect from people real fast that right. just aren't up to speed with this. Right. And most of humanity is not up to speed with this. This is very, very, very out there. If you want to call it leading edge doesn't make right. us superior. It's important to realize that. But yeah. there's not a huge audience for this right now because it is very out there when you start saying, appreciate your trauma authentically. Right. Uh, yeah. The matrix is not about that. The matrix is no, 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 stay in that victim space because you are at a lower vibration when you're in that victim space and you're more compliant. You're right. more you know, moldable. We can have you do what we want you to do. And that's not to say that the we is an evil entity that's controlling, but that that matrix does foster a mindset that there are a few people at the top of that pyramid that do get it. They understand that it's a manipulation. They understand that keeping people down keeps them controllable. And I don't think it makes them evil. It's actually rooted in their own fear that they feel they need to do that for people to, to because their belief system is if I control lots of people, and they're doing my bidding for me, essentially, I'm going to be at the top of the pyramid and I'm going to be wealthy and if they're in, in, in powerful. And if that's their belief system, they will manifest that as their reality. And then we look at them and think, well, God, you know, I'm going to be evil like them because they're at the top. They have everything that they want materially. I, I don't know what that inner vibration feels like for that individual. I don't want to be part of that. I don't want to manipulate people. I don't want to control people. I don't want to say, you know, we need lots of uneducated, poor people doing the hard work for us so that, you know, we can profit. 
you know, I want to make billions while, you know, everyone I, that works for me is making, you know, minimum wage. Uh, I don't know if you, there was a clip of, uh, I don't know, I'm not that deep into politics, but it was a, a female uh, member of the house questioning a bank uh, CEO. Uh, and I think she was saying something like, you know, you, your salary was 31 million last year. And she says, right. let me tell you about one of your tellers. This is your teller. This is how she lives. And she has a you know, $600 deficit every month. How can she solve that? And he said, I don't know. And he was very callous too. He was so put off by the questioning. It was just like, it was like a, a, a skit, you know, of the evil bank. He even looked like the gray haired evil <laughs> president, you know, in, yeah. in board games and stuff. And, um, and he couldn't figure it out. She goes, so you could figure out how to make $31 million a year in, in a financial, you know, you're the top of your game in the financial industry, but you can't tell one of your employees how she can make this work for herself. Right. And he was he was so closed off from the question that it just made him look really, really bad. Huh. It demonstrated that mindset that, you know, we need these little people toiling for us so that we can be at the top. And then they create that as their reality. And it's easy for the people in the middle of all that to look at that and say, well, gosh, I want to be more like him than her. I want to be like more like him than the bank teller that's struggling. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be evil, too. You know, yeah. and then I'm going to crap all over everybody. But I can just imagine how it feels vibrationally to be that kind of person. And, you know, you're, you're experiencing life like that and here, this dude, you know, made $31 million last year. I'm assuming he's got all the material stuff that he would probably yeah. want in life. I didn't get the vibe of he's a happy person. Right. People are so doubled down again, again, and again, into that mindset that oh, money is everything. There's no real happiness. So I might as well have lots of stuff. Yeah. I think that's very prevalent in our society right now that, hey, there's no true happiness. Because again, if you do a poll and you ask people, would you rather be rich and unhappy or happy and not rich? They're always going to say, I'd rather be rich and unhappy because they just think that there's no such thing as real happiness. Oh, interesting. Because they're judging. Huh. Because they're judging everything they observe as wrong and bad and evil and the world's a terrible place. I might as well have a big fancy house and be insulated from the chaos of the world because I'm rich. Huh. And I will say that, and I always preface when I say that, I always preface it with, you know, the, the, the money experience isn't bad. It isn't evil, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it doesn't replace true source connected source allowing joy in my experience. Right. Yeah. It, it just doesn't make up for that. And so I would rather, instead of happy and rich, I would say I would rather be source allowing and broke than completely rooted in my ego than rich i almost feel like they're so different it's like totally disconnected like i know there's some really successful artists who are like world famous but are broke because they can't manage money there are some like schwarzenegger i think was already pretty wealthy as a real estate developer before he even got into movies so i kind of feel like they're totally different topics and to try to i mean it's almost like apples and oranges in a way, you know, like you could be told, I think you could be totally wealthy and like really happy, <laughs> you know, and yeah, also you could be broke and miserable, you know, um, who, there's a guy that I see sometimes on social media and I, I think there's a happy, uh, Mark Cuban. Okay. He's a billionaire and he seems genuinely like a happy person. Like he's at peace with himself. He's not angry about it. He's not on Twitter that I know of, you know, angry about things all the time. And I maybe I don't, I'm not on Twitter at all, but 
you know, I, I hear things. I do pay attention to social media enough to where I kind of hear and see clips of things going on. I like that. I keep a little bit of a, a foot in the 3D world for sure. And, you know, whenever I see him, I always think his vibe is that he's a genuinely happy person and, I, and he's a billionaire. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's why, yeah. possible. That's that's why I'd like to be, <laughs> you know. And I think uh, I think I since, you know I, I'm not chasing it, but at the same time, I wouldn't turn it away. <laughs> well, I mean, really, I mean, my the financial abundance grew a lot since I did the, the boot camp thing. And the, the weird thing is, is I wasn't really deliberately trying to create that. More work came through, and I think that work came through from me uh, playing at a higher level, but also being at a higher level because a lot of you know, a lot of your, your sort of marketability is not just about your output of your performance, but also how easy it is for you to work with people and how good you are as a colleague. So I think that my vibe just generally got better. And I, I've definitely been much busier as, as a musician since, since the bootcamp thing, I think it's directly related to that, but, and with that comes more financial abundance. I kind of had this feeling though, that like really is person's financial kind of weird the in a way the bank account is sort of like a, a just a physical manifestation or an accumulation of um i guess personal prosperity that's kind of it's, it's just the physical accumulation of that so it's almost like a byproduct if that makes sense mm -hmm. so as as opposed to i think maybe that's where people go wrong is if they're like out chasing this thing because they think it's going to make them happy or they need it to not because they're afraid of you know, being out of control or something, then that's what it's going to become. And that's going to be really miserable. But if you're kind of viewing it as an accumulation of my abundance or just a physical accumulation of abundance, then that kind of, to me, changes the vibe around it all together. And then you can really enjoy it and value it and still desire it. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with that, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's more about the, the perspective that we have when we think about it, you know? Yeah, it's it's well, why are you wanting it? You know, right. again, why why was I continuing when I began trans channeling? I needed to do that to get to the stream. <clears throat> That's what I needed to do. And then years went by. I did a lot of my own tile work on myself. It is a journey, and I spun out. I got I fell off the wagon. Sometimes got back on. I have the advantage of of, of teaching Taya every week right. of my life, if not every day, yeah. and that ties me to it and keeps me in the practice yeah. probably automatically. But when I would spin out, sometimes the spin outs, like I said about the weight gain, that was prolonged. That was months and months and months, uh, more than a year. And that was something that I look back now and say, gosh, I needed to do that for myself to sort of get whatever residual transgressors were still residing um, out because I had that vibration of being unhealthy and overweight, you know, from my late 20s into my 30s. Then in my 40s, I got really healthy. It wasn't just weight loss. It was very health conscious as well. Very healthy. Um, and then I kind of spun into a different direction of being all about lifting weights and getting all bucked up and ripped and all this stuff. And I got really into that. I want That was kind of preparing for my 50s, that whole midlife thing that we do. Um, you have that coming still. So. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, it's part, of, it's part of the ego thing, though. You, know, you might be able to detune your ego enough not to have the experience. But I, I, you know, I had the sports car. I had the partner that was the husband that was half my age uh, for a little while. I, you know, I had the condo in the city. I, I had the whole thing. I did all of that. I did it right. So um, that, you know, it was an experience that I'm glad that I had. I, I am a more sophisticated being now because I had those experiences. I had a relationship with somebody that was half my age. 
I'm a more sophisticated being because I, uh, you know, got into the gym culture and, and started using, you know, steroids and stuff to bulk up and look really, you know, ripped, uh, and, and have all those hormonal changes and stuff that took place. I'm glad I had the experience. I can relate to that now. If somebody will, you know, if I'm, I always talk about, you know, think about like standing around at a party and you're, you're making small talk. I'm not a big fan of small talk usually because my small talk is always tire related and people look at me like I have horns if I go into too much diet stuff. And, but I love, you know, think of it about how you make small talk with someone. And then you realize that you just met someone that has an experience. They're from where you're from, or they do what you do for a living, or they went to school where you went to school or they had a parent die at a young age or somewhere where you suddenly have this connection and you understand each other and how much your vibe goes up when you meet someone that understands a unique experience that you've had. Well, that's because you've become a more sophisticated being in the having of that experience. Mm -hmm. And now you've attracted another being that has had that similar increase of sophistication. But we, the, the matrix tells us not to think about it as sophistication. Oh, you, you know, you foolish middle-aged man that married some younger person. That's so shallow and stupid. And, you know, it's so harshly judged in society. It was harshly judged by my family for sure. Mm. But I, I told my sister this the other day because they didn't know what to make of Brandon when we were together. I said, you know, it was an experience I had. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I felt alone in the world. I met this younger person. I was able to sort of show him the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, do we connect on every level? No, but you know, that was kind of a cool experience while it lasted and it ran its course. And now we're on really good terms. Uh, he's in LA. So we see him you know, pretty regularly when we go over there, he's doing great. And now I'm with someone that's, you know, you're younger than me and not 25 years younger than me. <laughs> that's a great experience as well. And I appreciate it more because I had the other experience. And if you're out of the matrix, there's no right and wrong to lengths of relationships or types of relationships mm. or any of those things because source isn't judging. Therefore, source isn't measuring anything. But you touched on something interesting. You touched on something interesting with the boot camp. Uh, I can tell you five years into running boot camp, the people that come into boot camp looking to manifest more money very often do not. They're really challenged by it. Or if they do, it takes them a long time to get there. They don't manifest it in boot camp or getting out of boot camp. You manifested more while, you know, while you're still in it and getting out of it. The people that come in focusing on other things manifest the money. Hmm. The, the abundance is just, the abundance is guaranteed. So if you work on all the other stuff that is, is holding you away from that guarantee, the, the guaranteed abundance shows up one way or the other and the other piece of advice there and we'll close uh this this episode with that i know you have another question to ask and we'll save that for the uh, expanded mm-hmm. version of our patreon uh, that the 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 folks that are coming coming in looking for something specific like money by the time they graduate they're not looking for that anymore they've done enough work of detuning and, and learning what raising their vibration authentically is all about and authentically allowing more source that that really becomes their journey is being is moving through life in a more source aligned way, period. And then what that brings is all kinds of stuff. And it brings experiences that can be temporary, but they're always expansive. And you see that because you're appreciative of them. You're not looking at the, 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 the relationship that ran its course in five years as a failure. It's an experience mm-hmm. or the job or the business 
you know, you start a new business and it works and then it doesn't. And you decide to go on and do something else. Well, the matrix says you're a failure, but you're not. Source is not saying you're a failure. Source is saying it's an experience that you created for yourself. You were vibrationally aligned with it for a time and then you weren't. And some people choose to continue hammering at that. And usually hammering, well, always hammering is rooted in ego. Source isn't hammering anything, anything ever. Source, uh, you know, when I was hammering more at the Taya business, that wasn't source. That was my ego. But I needed to do that. I needed to hammer away to show myself once and for all that hammering is so out of alignment with the Taya practice that there's no way in hell it's ever going to work for the Taya business. So that's why we don't hammer anymore. That's why I'm not out pushing, you know, on social media every day and, and grinding. And, you know, if other people want to do that, that's their path and that's fine. For me, I didn't want to do that anymore. I'm just chill about it now. And it's a pretty, pretty nice place to be. Cool. All right. Maybe, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's always good to have you back. I know you have another big question, so we'll save that yeah. and jump over to Patreon. Uh, so our subscribers can, can have a little extra uh, with the expanded version of our podcast. So please remember to subscribe, uh, write your reviews. If you like what we're doing, tell us. If you don't like what you're doing, tell us. You can write in that form of review, or you can always contact us at david at streamofdavid.com. Thanks so much for listening. This episode doesn't have to end here. You can join us over on Patreon for the roundtable discussion of everything the stream shared today and how to apply it in your life. Join us at patreon.com forward slash the stream of David. I hope to see you over there.